Hey guys, so the 2020 NFL DFS season is right around the corner. By the looks of it, we will at least begin the season in some capacity, so we will definitely have a week one as it uh, seems. So I am putting together a 2020 NFL DFS season primer. It will be five episodes and all of the content for the most part you probably have already heard on this podcast at some point or another. Uh, I went back. Um, I did a, a few episodes during the you know the beginning of the COVID nineteen shutdown. Um, I did some episodes last year, the year before that. Um, basically, what it looks at is a ton of millionaire maker trends, cash line trends, ownership, um, how the chalk does, how the Uber chalk does double up cash lines, things like that. Uh, But over the next few days, I will be just reposting some of that content to get everybody ready for the 2020 NFL DFS season. Now, because this information has been pulled from podcasts that happened, you know, a month ago, three months ago, a year ago, uh, all the information is still vitally important to the 2020 NFL DFS season. I went through all the podcasts, cut out things that uh, didn't apply anymore. Um, but there may be, you know, I may reference COVID-19 or the shutdown at, at some point within the podcast, or I may reference, you know, it may sound like I, I, I never even heard of COVID-19. That means the podcast happened a little bit before uh, March of this year. But I went through, edited out anything that I didn't think was important to 2020, cut and pasted the most important stuff, added some new stuff, and came out with a five-episode series that will get you ready for the 2020 NFL DFS season. So I hope you enjoy. Let's get into the episode. You are listening to The Riding NFL DFS Podcast with Pat James. Welcome, everybody, to the Ride in DFS and Betting Podcast, the 2020 NFL DFS Season Strategy Primer continues. This episode is going to center around winning showdown slates, how to do it, six tips to get you on your way to start the 2020 NFL DFS showdown season. First things first, leave money on the table. This is a common strategy that you will hear around the NFL DFS industry on all slates uh, as a way to be unique. Leave money on the table. In a 10 to 14 game, which is a you know 20 to 28 team main slate, you don't necessarily have to leave money on the table. And I talked about that in some previous podcasts. You know, there's Dozens and dozens of players to choose from. Many are going to be very low-owned. You really can zero out the cap if you like the lineup and if you're different or have a contrarian pick or two. Within a showdown slate, there may only be 12, 15, 16 viable options in the player pool. And what that means is you have to get unique because there's only going to be a few ways that you can even zero out the cap to begin with. So, you know, looking back at winning rosters, um, most left at least 
a few hundred dollars on the table, but the average was in the neighborhood of fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred. Some winning teams left as much as five, six, seven thousand dollars of the fifty thousand dollar cap on the table. Um, what I would, my suggestion would be to you know have a range of of different salary left on the table. You know, you could go real deep and leave a few thousand. But as long as you are in that, you know, 48, 49 neighborhood, you should be okay. Definitely do not zero out the cap because those lineups are going to be supremely duplicated. Uh, but always make sure you're leaving at least a few hundred to a thousand. Uh, and then even more than that in some lineups. The second tip is to correlate around your captain. And this should seem pretty self-explanatory but i will go into it a bit the lineup should correlate around your captain it should be the first player that you slot in to the roster and then you say to yourself let's for instance use the kansas city houston uh, showdown slate that will be happening in a few weeks if will fuller is the captain of the night, right? He's the optimal captain to have. He's going to go off. What else is going to happen? If you think it's going to be a shootout and Will Fuller is going to be the optimal captain, then you're obviously going to play Deshaun Watson, probably Patrick Mahomes, maybe get another pass catcher or two in there as well. Uh, if you think it's going to be a slugfest and, you know, Will Fuller is might be the only player that does well for the Texans because he catches, you know, eight balls for 100 yards and that's a 20 spot. And that might be the best that someone performs uh, in the entire game because it's a shootout. It's a 17-13 type game. Then maybe you're going a ton of pass catchers because anytime there is a slugfest uh, and there isn't a ton of scoring, you're going to want to get guys in your lineup that have PPR value, right? Because that's pretty much the mode of, of scoring of the game if there isn't a ton of touchdowns. So you have Will Fuller. You have Maybe you leave Deshaun Watson out of that lineup because the Texans you know, have a rushing touchdown with David Johnson. You get Will Fuller, David Johnson. You leave Watson out of there because he didn't even throw a touchdown. The Texans only scored a touchdown. And this probably seems like a scenario that's not likely to happen, but that is how you win showdown slates. You have these unique lineups, right? You have Will Fuller and David Johnson unstacked with with Deshaun Watson, right? Deshaun Watson's not in the lineup, and you're playing to a slugfest, right? Maybe you also have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Travis Kelsey, the uh, Texans defense, and maybe one other uh, dart throw in that sixth flex spot so that is how you create a unique lineup that no one is thinking about right immediately 90 percent of the lineups that put wolf will fuller in the captain is going to have deshaun watson in that lineup um, so that is just one way to get unique and i use that example because it is the way that i qualified for the king of the beach i had juju smith schuster in my captain spot with deontay johnson in the flex and james Connor and uh, Chris Boswell from the Steelers. So those four guys were part of my winning showdown team last season, and I ran it back with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Alan Hearns. And my thought process was that Hearns uh, Hearns had been you know steadily increasing targets and snaps over the last few games, so I thought he might have a blow up game. Um, he didn't end up having a blow up game, but he did score. 
uh, a touchdown for the Dolphins. Uh, I believe it was their only touchdown, and that was why he was in the optimal lineup. And I also had Ryan Fitzpatrick in there because he often provided a lot of value with his legs. You know, he would always tack on a few points rushing-wise. Now, what I thought from a Steelers perspective is I thought this game was going to be a slugfest, which is why I had um, Juju in the captain slot. I didn't think a ton of touchdowns were going to be scored, so I thought maybe Juju could rack up receptions and yards as well as Deontay Johnson, and then Chris Boswell would come through as the Steelers continued to struggle in the red zone. So I put Steelers position players in place that I thought could rack up receptions, and then Chris Boswell instead of Mason Rudolph, because I thought that they would, you know, I kind of played it as a slugfest where they would move the ball but struggle in the red zone, and that is what ended up happening. And thankfully, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended up connecting with Alan Hearns uh, uh for the Dolphins' lone touchdown, and that is why uh, I took down that King of the Beach qualifier. So it just, I mean, you just have to correlate around the captain because, honestly, some lineups are drawing so dead based on who the captain is and who, who the rest of the flex players are. My third tip is to use quarterback in the captain spot wisely. Now, week in and week out, quarterback is overused in the captain, right? Everyone thinks, you know, quarterback is the safest play. They they usually score a ton of fantasy points. They always have the ball in their hand, etc. For that reason, the amount of times the quarterback is used in the captain spot vastly outweighs the amount of times the quarterback actually appears in the winning lineup in the captain spot. So how do I use that information to create better lineups. It's not that I ignore the quarterback as the captain. Um, I will say that I do not often have a quarterback as my captain, or I shouldn't say that I should say I don't use quarterback in my captain spot in a ton of lineups on any given showdown slate. But what I do is when I have a quarterback, because quarterbacks can absolutely be the winning captain, when I have a quarterback in my captain spot, I make sure that it makes sense with the other flex plays. So first things first, I'm not going to have my quarterback in the captain spot with just one of his wide receivers. Why is that the case? Well, because if a quarterback goes off and all of the production is to one specific wide receiver, then more often than not, that wide receiver is going to be the captain. And that's just a product of scoring on DraftKings and how the scoring works, right? So if a quarterback throws for 275 yards and two touchdowns, that's 19 DraftKings points. If most of that production goes to one receiver and that specific receiver has eight catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns, well, that's 33 DraftKings points. So they should be going into the captain spot. So what happens when a quarterback is the captain? Two things happen. They get a ton of rushing production, meaning it's someone like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Kyler Murray, and they are running all over the place and their receivers and running backs don't necessarily benefit from their fantasy point 
production. The other option is that the quarterback spreads the ball around, right? So let's go back to that same example of 275 yards, two touchdowns. The quarterback scores 19 fantasy points, but he spreads the ball around. No receiver goes over 70 yards. You know, there's a guy with five for 70. A guy has four for 60 and one. So he's keeping the ceiling down of all of his, you know, running backs, receivers, tight ends by spreading the ball around. That would be the way that a quarterback ends up in the captain spot, right? Either he gets a ton of production rushing or he spreads the ball around one particular player does not get a ton of looks. So that would just be my advice to you. I personally use quarterback in the captain slot sparingly because I know that it is overused. So I feel like I have an edge on the field. Um, I'm creating different lineups, more unique lineups. And there is some leverage to be had there if quarterbacks are in the captain spot a ton. I will say this. I overuse quarterbacks in the flex spot, though, because quarterbacks do have a very high floor. They usually are some of the highest scoring players within a single fantasy game. But oftentimes, just because of the fantasy points scoring on DraftKings and the salary uh, allotment to quarterbacks, it makes more sense. And you often see them in more optimal lineups in the flex and not the captain. The fourth thing I would say to be successful is to multi-enter. You know, showdown, unlike a main slate, is extremely variant. Now, there's a lot of variance on a main slate, but in a single game showdown, it is absolutely astounding at what the optimal lineup could look like, how crazy the game could be, you know, things go awry, and you are just, and everything is correlated within a game. So if you're playing one lineup, it's going to be very tough to nail down the exact optimal lineup, especially if you're going up against um, other users who have multiple, multiple lineups. So I would say to absolutely multi-enter. Now, whether that's throwing 150 lineups in the $10 and spending $1,500, you know, some people don't have that bankroll and that's fine. You could throw 150 lineups in the 50 cent mini max. That's only $75. Or even, you know, you can make 40 lineups and put 20 in the $3, 20 max, and 20 in the $1, 20 max. And that's only like 80 bucks. Um, but either way, you shouldn't be, you know, single entering um, one lineup in Showdown. That is my personal belief. Um, and think about it this way. You only set one lineup. You enter it into a bunch of different contests in the DraftKings lobby And let's say it's for this upcoming Texans Chiefs Thursday night opener. And Miko Hardman is not on your roster, but he catches the first pass of the game for a 75-yard touchdown. And you don't have him, you're spent. All your lineups are done, kaput, over. If you're a single-entry person on a main slate and Miko Hardman catches a 75-yard touchdown... You're probably not cooked for the entire slate, and here's why. He's going to be much less owned because there's, you know, 28 teams to choose from on a 14-game slate, and there are a ton of other options that could potentially match Miko Hardman's output throughout the day on Sunday. In a one-game slate, if Miko Hardman catches a 75-yard touchdown, I guarantee he's going to be in the optimal lineup, 
And if you don't have him, I guarantee you're not going to cash because his ownership percentage, being that he's only one of, you know, 14 viable players on the entire slate, his ownership is going to be high. It's over for you. So that is why you need to multi-enter into showdown slates. And my last tip, when you multi-enter these showdown slates, I think it's important to correlate within each lineup but it's okay to get a little bit different and go against the grain, put a little bit of negative correlation into some of your lineups, right? Like it's okay to have Mahomes in the captain and a couple of Chiefs pass catchers with the Texans kicker. Like some people might say, well, they're not going to be going for field goals if Mahomes and the receivers go off. Sure, but maybe the Texans kick two or three field goals before Mahomes and his uh, pass catchers go off. You know, things like that can happen. You know, throw defenses in there, even though you have two or three opposing offensive players. Like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that uh, a, a defense returns a kickoff and a fumble for a touchdown in a game, and the opposing wide receivers and quarterbacks also have a fairly fairly productive game like those things happen um, so correlate your lineups obviously but it's okay to do, to bake in a little bit of negative correlation here and there in some of your lineups my sixth and last tip would be to while while you're correlating within each lineup you can have lineups that are you know different projected game flows like if you create a hundred lineups it's okay to have different game scripts play out within those lineups, right? Like you don't have to create 100 Chiefs blowout lineups uh, using the, the Texans-Chiefs example for this upcoming Thursday night showdown contest, right? You could create 30 lineups where you think the Chiefs are going to win handedly. You could create 15 lineups where you think the Texans are going to win handedly. You could create 20 shootout lineups where you think both offenses are going to go off. You could create a blowout lineup. You could create 10 slugfest lineups, right? Like, make sure each lineup that you create correlates within itself, but your player pool and all of your lineups together don't necessarily have to take on uh, the same idea or the same game script. You can mix and match from there. All right, that will do it for the Ride in NFL DFS podcast, Showdown Strategy Edition. If you have not, please rate and review the podcast, and I will talk to you on the next episode. You are listening to the Ride in NFL DFS podcast with Pat James.